foot of the mountain. Um, God has uh, given the Ten Commandments, and next week we're going to pick up then the story uh, and, and what happens on, with Moses and, and the children of Israel on their journey. But today, what I wanted to do is, because we're New Testament Christians, and because we're under grace, not under law, I wanted to just take a, a, a break as we talk about the Ten Commandments in a New Testament context. And I want to look at it from the perspective of, as people of grace, how do all ten of those apply to us? How do we, how do we manage it? Because Christ said, I've not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And there are two main passages that I think really help us, and I think they're actually going to incorporate into the, the, the culture that we're dealing with right now as far as what's going on in our country and across the world with the pandemic. So um, I want to start with the teaching of Christ, and then I want to go to uh, the teaching of, of John in 1 John about this concept. So with that in mind, we're going to look at what Christ said, and here's what Jesus says uh, in Matthew chapter 22. The Pharisees heard that the Sadducees, that, that Jesus, that he, Jesus, talking about Jesus, had put the Sadducees to silence. Um, they were gathered together. So this is a point in the ministry of Jesus where they're, trying, they're, now, they're now afraid of how God is going to deal with them. So now they've covered up and they're hiding. And, and, and one of the things is, God says, wait a minute, who told you you were naked? How do you know this now? Because of that love relationship had been affected. It had been broken. So you have Jesus, when he's on the scene, he says, okay, you, wanna, you really want to understand the Ten Commandments and a New Testament concept? Here it is. It's, it's all about love. It's all about love. When you get to the end of uh, the Bible, 1 John, uh, here's what 1 John says about this. Um, listen to how he says it. Oh, 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 I forgot about this. Oh, this is, um, this is what happens when I get away from my notes. Uh, this is what Jesus continues to teach, by the way. Here's the idea. Um, John 14, that's where Jesus is getting ready to leave. You know, in my father's house, that whole passage, John 14. Notice what he says at the end of it. Um, if you love me, keep my commandments. Matthew 6, about uh, the Beatitudes. You can't serve two masters. You love one, you're going to hate the other one. Um, in John 13, he looks at him and he says, you can't go where I'm going. I'm going to give you a new command. The new commandment for you, the New Testament idea, is love one another. So he, he gives this whole idea of how Jesus wants us to, to do it. So then you get to 1 John... And listen to how 1 John says it. Um, John says it this way. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in them. God lives in them. This is how love is made complete among us. So that we will, not, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Let me say it again. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. Why was Adam and Eve, why were Adam and Eve hiding from God? They were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they didn't know what God was going to do. 
prior to sin, they knew exactly how God was going to respond. There was no reason. There was no reason to fear God. They didn't worry about punishment. So he says, the one who fears is not made perfect or is not made mature in love. We love, why? Because he first loved us. So what happens is he, he lays out this idea 16, oh, oh, um, 16 times. Oh, 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 wait, wait a minute. I forgot about that. I kept, kept going. We love because he first loved us, okay? Whoever claims to love God and hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. Now, how are you going to say you love a God that you can't see if you can't even love your brother or sister who you can see? That's the idea. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love the brother and sister. So you want to know a mark of a New Testament Christian? We are known by our love. That was said of the disciples. That they were amazed at how they loved one another. Because love was a defining mark of, um, of brothers and uh, of people in Christ. Okay, guys, what's going on? Is it? I'm going to say. Okay, well, get me my, there we go. Get me on a black screen. Awesome. All right. So this is where we are. So this is what you've got. You've got this foundation here that he lays it out. And here's what I want you to understand. He talks in 1 John 16 times. He talks about the idea of love. In the end of the book, here's what he's, he's, he's linking this idea. Two ideas of love and fear. And what he's saying is this. Those are two opposites. Okay? Um, now, the implications for that for us in 2020 are huge. You've heard me talk all along in this series about Satan's world, God's world. Satan's world is a world that steals. God's world is a world that's generous. Satan's world is a world where we lie. We bear false witness against people. God's world is a world in which we're people of truth. And he jumps back and forth between these constantly. In the same way, here's what we're after. Satan's world is a world of fear. God's world is a world of love. They're two opposites. When Jesus talks in the New Testament here about this idea of the Ten Commandments, what he bookends them both with with this idea of love. When John comes to the end of his writing, he says, look, you need to understand love is something that cannot exist in a world of fear. There are two opposites. So I want to talk about fear because that's where we are as a culture right now. We are living in a world in which we have lots of people who are scared and they are fearful, and we don't know what's the balance between faith and fear and what it is and what it isn't. So let me get, lay a little bit of groundwork, and we're going to talk about that. Because this, this love thing is the solution to it. Okay? So let me give you a couple of things. Let's talk about understanding fear. Here you go. Fear is one of the most basic human emotions. It is programmed into the nervous system and works like an instinct. From the time we're infants, we're equipped with the survival instincts necessary to respond with fear when we sense danger or feel unsafe. Fear helps protect us. Here's what happens when you fear. First of all, you have a fight or a flight response. Your heart rate rises, 
you end up with tunnel vision. Your peripheral vision is, is reduced, so you don't take in everything on the outside. You focus on one thing. The cortisol uh, stress hormone levels in your body rise. Your body limits several other functions in order to make sure it has as much energy as possible flowing to your muscles so that you're prepared to defend yourself from danger. The rational part of your brain disengages because it's overloaded with hormones. You instantly focus on danger or negatives. So what happens is, this is what you need to understand, God designed you and God designed me with that as an internal mechanism. So let's put it in a practical thing. I am walking to my mailbox and I am confronted with a lion standing between me and my mailbox. Okay, um, Fight or flight comes into play. First of all, a lion should not be between me and my mailbox. It shouldn't be Iowa. So the fact that it's there has me of great concern. So what's going to happen? My heart rate's going to go up. I'm going to become focused on the lion. I'm not going to be going, oh, you know what? I think that garden needs to be weeded. No, I'm focused on the lion. My stress hormones are going to go up. My body is now going to put all of its energy into every muscle that I have because if I decide to fight it, I'm going to need every muscle. If I decide to run, I'm going to need every muscle. The rational part of my brain disengages. I'm not going to sit there and have a mental debate on what is a lion doing in Iowa. None of that matters. It's going to be completely focused on that, and I am instantly going to focus on what's the best way to protect myself. God designed that for me. He designed us to be able to do that. So there are some things that we are naturally, instinctively going to fear. There are other things that we are taught to fear. A child does not know that a stove is hot. It just sees it as a big box. So you have to teach a child. You do not open the box and put your hand in. You do not touch stuff on top of this box. Why? Because it's hot. It will burn you. So we condition children to be able to learn there are certain things that you need to be have a healthy respect for, a healthy fear of. So we have conditional things and we have instinctive things. That's the whole idea of fear. Okay? Um, so, it, first of all, you've got to understand, it is a God-given thing. Um, but here's what you have to figure out. Satan has learned that if he can get people to live in fear, they disengage. So, if Satan can condition us to always be fearful, then guess what? According to 1 John, we're not going to be able to love. Why? Because we're afraid. Because you see, fear says, stay away. Love says, come close. Let me say it again. Fear says, fight or flight. Protect myself. Defend myself. On the other hand, love says, Embrace. Love says, I'm going to come close. Love says, 
You see this in the ministry of Jesus. Society and the life of... See, see, there wasn't COVID when Jesus was here. Well, there may have been. We just didn't know what to call it back then. Um, there wasn't... There, there wasn't but there was, there was leprosy, which was highly contagious and highly infectious and something that people stayed away from. There were trained things to fear. You feared prostitutes. You didn't want to go anywhere close to them. You didn't want to talk to them. You didn't want to have anything to do with them. You were taught to fear people who were sick because they were often demon-possessed because they linked sickness to demons. So the culture of Jesus' day said, stay away from all of those people. Keep your distance. Jesus said, I love them, and I will engage them, and I'm okay with getting close to them because love trumps fear. That makes sense? Okay, that makes sense? Because I'm going to try to put all this together for, for how we respond, and I want to make sure that I'm, uh, what I'm saying comes across honestly without being misread in this. And, and, and we're, on a really, we're on a really thin ice here between this faith-fear thing. So I, I, want to, I want to play it out in a realistic idea for you. So let's just talk about it practically just to kind of help us, you know, in, in this thing. Um, in this whole COVID thing right now, here's what we have. We have a group of people who are staying away, and some of them are doing it for um, different reasons. Uh, one of the reasons, for instance, is um, in order to protect itself because their systems or their age, they're compromised. Okay? Here's the reality of it. COVID, no COVID, they'd be making the same decision. And that's a wise decision. That's what they should be. We have another group of people that, in their deal, they are literally living in fear because they're afraid, A, if they get it, B, they will die. And, and they haven't settled the death question in their lives. So they're, and if that's you, you know, I understand why you would be afraid. I'd be afraid, too, if I didn't know what's going to happen beyond this world for me. Okay? That, that, that's a legitimate fear. You should fear death if you don't have Christ as your Savior. Because it ain't pretty after this. There are other people who they have lived, they're living in this state of fear, and that's driving everything that they do. Um, and, 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 and so what's, what's happening, because of that, they don't realize it, but all of those things that I talked about that happen physically to you, Cortisol levels, everything going up, blood pressure, all, the, all that constant hormone thing going. That's why. And by the way, there's a natural thing that happens as we get older. As we get older, we fear more. I don't know if you're aware of that. Okay. Um, I noticed that. Okay. Um, I've, been, I've spent the last month on scaffolding. Okay. I, I've been, got a project going on in my shed, and so I've put in a ceiling in my shed. And so I've been on scaffolding for the last month. Um, in the old days, uh, I would put one plank on the scaffolding. Uh, I have three now. Uh, in the old days, I'd just shinny right up the scaffolding. Now I have a ladder to walk up the ladder to step onto the scaffolding. Uh, why? Because I know that when I fall, uh, I, I'm not going to bounce back as quickly as I can. So I have a little bit more of a fear, a little more of a respect for it now. Um, but, but there's people who, you know, they're so scared of the idea of getting this. And so, therefore, their idea is pretty. And then, then you have the other group um, 
where for whatever reason, okay, they're like, bring it on. You know, you're seeing this, by the way, with college kids who are going back, okay, who honestly, they're just not being the brightest. Uh, you know, maybe that's why they need to be in college, but, you know, they're making some really bad choices on, you know, um, <laughs> I read about a bunch of kids that ended up getting, getting COVID because they had a beer pong party. You know what? It, in this environment, you know, Darwin's right. We just need to kind of breed the thing out. I mean, it's just, that's just crazy if you're going to do silly stuff like that, you know? Um, you know, and there's people who are like, you know, well, it's a government conspiracy, um, you know, everybody's against us. There's people, you know, it's not real. It's all made up. Uh, you know, you have other people who, um, you know, I tend to fall in this category. I, I love statistics and data anyway, so I just pour in the data, you know, um, and try to make decisions based on that. You have people all over the spectrum on this thing, okay? Um, so you say, how do you, how do you balance that out? I mean, you know, how do we, how, how do you come out? Here's what I would say. I don't care where you are in the spectrum. Mask, no mask. Stay at home, go. Go out to eat, don't go out to eat. Go to ball games, don't go to ball games. Um, you know, in school with masks, in school without masks, no school. On, just, everybody's all over the place on this thing. Okay, here's what I would say as a Christian. If you are driven and making your choices based on fear, there's a problem. Because we're to be driven and motivated by love. You say, and are you saying that we should just throw, throw everything to win? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you are living in a state of fear, there, there's a spiritual issue at play here. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. Love is, I think, a big key. In that your love or your passion, I deal with this in public speaking all the time, when I'm trying to get, one of the greatest fears of people is public speaking. One of the ways that you get people to get past the public speaking is you get them to be passionate enough about what they say and love the importance of getting their message across that they stop thinking about what people are thinking about themselves. It's the same way in this thing. When you're driven by love instead of fear, then you make a wise decision based on love rather than fear. I, I, I tried, I'm trying to come up, I've tried to come up with a way to illustrate this, and so some of you are going to really have a hard time with this illustration, and some of you are, are, are going to be okay with it, but um, as a pastor, I'm in a very unique situation often when I'm trying to minister to somebody. Um, years ago, we had, um, you know, we still have it, the, the MRSA thing. And if you've ever been around people with MRSA, um, uh, what happens is, um, you know, when I go to visit them in a the hospital, there's a door and it says precautions and there's a whole little stand there with a gown, gloves, masks, everything. And often they'll be on that door, precautions. And, and, and the thing is, you're not, I mean, you are kind of protecting them from you, but more you're protecting you from them, okay? That, that's more what the focus is. It's the idea of they don't want you to get this and give this and spread this around, and, and it's highly contagious, and it's, it's a kind of a common thing, particularly with older people. Um, 
and I'm going in there to provide comfort. That's my job. Now, how comforting do you think it is when I walk in looking like I'm out of a biohazard mat movie? Hi, I'm here to comfort you. Hey, don't touch me, you know. I have a decision to make. If it's a situation where I know that person has, is comfortable with that and they've been exposed to it and every, you know, every family member that's been in their room for the last two weeks has been all gowned up and stuff like that, then I might, I might, I might gown up. There's other times that I walk in the room as I am, sit down next to their bed, encourage them a little bit, grab their hand, have a word of prayer, and walk out of the room. Why? Because my love and commitment to try to minister to them overtakes the fear of what's going to happen to me. Now, when I walk out of the room, I'll be honest, um, I hit every hand sanitizer there is on the way out of the hospital. No problem with it. I've done that for years. There are some situations I'll walk in. I, I, I let love be the determination for how I'm going to respond. I let that drive me. Not the fear of what if, what if, what if, what if. That's the closest illustration I can have for you to help you understand this. And I think what happens is sometimes we become so focused on the fear that we forget. It's about, and, and, and I have a great, I, I tell you what, I am greatly concerned for our kids right now. When we are producing a generation of kids where we're teaching them from the day, from the day they step into school, be afraid of everything and everyone. I don't know the social implications of that five, ten years from now. And that's a tough balance for parents to have. And keeping children safe versus the other thing of getting a kid to the point that they're scared and paranoid of seeing a friend or touching a friend or saying hi to a friend or being in school. And uh, I mean, the implication, you're going, well, pastor, it's just going to be for a little while. I pray that that is true. But I doubt that that is true. Um, just because of the direction, this, you know, the country doesn't go better, you know, and so that's my concern. So I, I want to challenge you with this idea that when we talk about these Ten Commandments, their preference, the, the bookends to both of them, all of them is this idea of love. And if we're not careful and we live too much in fear, we drive out love. Think about this for a second. Think of the implications for sharing the gospel with people. If you were taught Six feet away. If you completely emphasize the idea of you're a I am a danger to you, how, how do we reach people? How, 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 do you, how, do you, how do you encourage people? So what happens is we have a whole bunch of people who are isolated and alone and are scared, and you're watching suicide rates go up, you're watching um, uh, depression rates go up. You're watching um, the issue of um, 
abuse, physical abuse in the home, emotional abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Why? Because we're keeping everybody, we're not letting anybody get close. Why? Because we're afraid. But when I love people, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying next time you're standing in, in line at, 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 at Lowe's, go up and hug somebody. Not what I'm saying, okay? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we've got to be on guard here because let me tell you something. Satan is smart. And if you think he's not at work, you've got your head buried in the sand. If you think that, that this, there's not a spiritual dynamic to what is happening in here, you've got your head in the sand. There's a spiritual element of what's going on. And we've got to be wise enough to say, let's figure out a balance between loving people and fearing people. And that's going to be a tough negotiation for any church, much less ours. But we are commanded to love. And, we're, and, and, and it's very difficult. You go, well, you know, we can, we can love at a distance. I, I would like to tell you yes, but I've not seen it work effectively. Because one of the first rules of ministry is you can't minister to people at a distance. It's got to be up close and personal. And you think about it for a minute. The people who have helped you in the last whatever many years of your life have not been people that have been distant. They've been people who are close, people who are involved in your life, people who you're talking to on a regular basis. We've got to get to that point. So as I wrap this up, this idea of love, here's what I would say. So first of all, let me talk about the person who's scared to die. You should be scared. The Bible is very clear on what happens to a person who dies without Jesus Christ. And there's nothing pretty about it. Um, and what I would say to you is this. God was very clear. God so loved the world that he came to this earth to die for you, to pay for your sin, and to offer you a gift of salvation. And if you have never put your faith and trust in him, you need to understand the solution to that fear is a faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because God loved you and gave his life for you. And when you understand that, there is no fear in death anymore. And the bottom line is this. I can get in my car. I can get on my bike. I can get in an accident. I can die. And I can stand before God and be into his presence that moment. So, well, if you get COVID, you could die. Yes, I could. And I'll be with Jesus and... I win, you lose, because you're still here. You go, well, won't you miss people? Yes, I'll miss people. But you know what? I, it, most of the people in my life have a relationship with Jesus Christ, so I don't, it's not a goodbye. I'm going to see him again. It's just a matter of time. And I'm okay with that. You go, I can't believe you had a, such a nonchalant idea about that. It's not a nonchalant. It's the idea of I know what's beyond the grave, so I don't have to fear it. I know that I have a God who loves me, who gave himself for me, who died on the cross for me, who offered me salvation, who, who I asked into my heart, and I, he's my Savior. I, I'm not afraid if I take my last breath today. I'm okay with that. And you and I have that message that we can share with the world. And some of them really need to hear it. 
A second aspect is how do we as a church respond? Look, you've always heard me say this. Anybody who walks through that door, we love them. Period. I don't, I don't care. I don't care the background. I don't care, you know, anything. We love them as Christ loved us. Period. Why? Because we love because he first loved us. That's why. You go, well, you know, there's some people that I just, then you got a problem. You got a problem. Seriously. And you got to get over it. You know, and you go, well, pastor, you know, you don't understand. You know, there's just some people that, you know, I mean, you know, do you know what political party they're from? Don't care. Don't care. Do you know what they really believe? <coughs> do you really know what their lifestyle is? Don't care. Don't care. You know why? Because God didn't care for me. God took me as I was and changed me into, and is changing me into what he wants me to be. And he'll do the same thing for them. He'll do the same thing for them. You go, well, you know, it's just so hard. I'm afraid that if I, you know, if I open that door, then I'll be accepting of them. And then I have to, to put a rubber stamp on everything that they're doing. And da, da, Rick Warren said it best. I come back to this so many times. Because I, oh, I think this is brilliant, what he said. Um, are we all, okay, you guys do it. Yeah, there we go. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. By the way, there's a lot of hate politics going on right now on all sides of it. Don't be a part of it, not as a child of God. The second is that to love someone means you have to agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. You don't. You, can, you want a great example? I, I think marriage is the best example for me. Okay. Um, I do not have to agree with my wife. And I don't. But I still love her. And I will always love her even when she is dead wrong. It's nothing to do with my love for her. It's just the idea if she is stubborn enough to want to be wrong, I'm going to let her do it. And I mean, that's where we are. So you know what? You can come in here. I don't care what your belief system. I don't care what you want to believe. I don't, it doesn't matter. I can look at you and say, you are dead wrong, but I still love you. Because I do it with my wife all the time. One day she's going to wake up and realize I was right. But until that day, I'm just going to keep loving her. I mean, really, you know, we got to get, we got to get this across. And we're, you know, we're at a point right now where somebody goes out there and puts something on Facebook and we're in some big war of words. If you haven't figured this out, look, you're not going to, your little post on Facebook is not going to change their world. Because 800 other people have posted it too. You know, just love them. Love them. You know, and, and this is so important for us to understand because I'm afraid what's happening is we, we will slide into this fear thing and we'll start allowing fear to drive our lives instead of love. 
And the next thing you know, we're afraid of everybody and everything, and everybody is at a distance, and then we're going to go out and try to reach people or share with people or encourage people or help people, but we can't because everybody's so far away from us. And it's dangerous. And for our children, listen, we're not careful. We're going to raise a whole group of children who feel alone and isolated. And you take a little child and you put them into adolescence when they feel alone and isolated, you have a recipe for disaster. Because they will gravitate to the first person that wants to get close and show them love and attention and affection, regardless of whether or not it's a healthy relationship. And I just, I, I'm telling you, if we're not careful here, and so we've got to find that balance. Um, because like I said, God puts it as bookends. You love God, he will be your authority. You'll put your faith and trust in him. He will be your prior, uh, priority. He'll be the center of all that you do. You love him like you're supposed to love him. Anytime something brings his name down, that will bother you. And you'll take one time a week, one day a week, and say, you know, I'm going to focus on my spiritual, mental, emotional, physical well-being and worship God this day. And when you start loving other people, you'll honor and value and be generous. Speak truth. Love like you're supposed to love. And you'll be content. Don't be looking at their stuff trying to figure out how you can get it. Be content with what God has provided for you, and you will try to minister to those people God puts in your path. So I end us with this challenge and with this idea. God establishes these ten words or ideas as a foundation for how we live in this world. Jesus explains it in two simple ideas. Love God, love people. Our challenge is to love as Jesus loved and to show the world a fearless life sourced in love. Show that love to a lost world who's walking in fear this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it's easy to jump back and forth into the whims of the culture. But Lord, you have challenged us to not be conformed in the thinking of this world and the way that this world functions. So Lord, help us to know what is wisdom, what is right. Help us to know the best way, Lord, to get close to people in spite of all of the things we have going against us. Lord, may we walk in love this week. May we love those that you bring into our path. May you help us to minister, to encourage, to up, uphold one another. And Lord, may you use us to help a world who is living in fear and constantly, Lord, driven by fear of death, fear of isolation, fear of things that, that uh, Lord, will hurt them. So, Lord, use us. Help us to be a light. Help us to encourage us. Lord, don't let us, help us to keep a balance on this thing, not get to one extreme or the other. And when it is all said and done, Lord, may people come to you as a result of the way we live our lives for you. These things we ask in your name.